should just start keeping the kids in. <laughs> Look at the way they all go. Uh, can I can I steal that? It's a pretty kit. Oh. Mm. Wow. keep it brief let's keep it brief this morning and hopefully hopefully like this is kind of like what was first seeming like kind of like a little potpourri of things that were coming at me this week sort of like kind of collected up into uh collected up into a unified uh thought um this morning hopefully <laughs> hopefully hopefully fingers crossed fingers crossed it makes sense but um yeah, I mean, first of all, I, I, we uh, we got new neighbors yesterday. Oh yeah, well they're mostly there. <laughs> yeah, Ella was all day yesterday. She was like, "Are our neighbors here yet?" And she really just meant Evie and Charlie. <laughs> Are our neighbors here yet? Are our neighbors here? Yet? Oh, you can call them Evie and Charlie still. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just can't help but feel like. Um, you know, and look, that's that's our story, Leela and Brad and um, Curtis and Carlan, and, you know, really also um, a piece of this puzzle really came from Glenn and some of the things he was hearing a while ago. And so really it isn't just a personal story, you know, when things start to come about in those ways. We know that it's just a part of our story, you know, and I guess... Um, yeah, it feels like, you know, when we give our lives to God, he gets to use them for what he wants and all the pieces of that that would serve him. And and I feel like in some way, shape or form amongst us, um, you know, this picture serves God and I'm not sure entirely how, but, uh, you know, we're going to point the ship towards, towards sharing life together and, uh, see what God has but if in some way shape or form it doesn't just feel like a story that affects the Andersons and the Olsons it feels like in some way shape or form this is a piece of uh what God's building and you know that sounds hard to define because what does it change in your life Amanda that Curtis moves next door to me I mean you go praise God that it's not all on Carlan anymore you're gonna hear about it what do you mean who has to hear about it what do we have to hear about what are they going to have to hear about? No, this is community rules, man. You know, what happens on Herman Street stays on Herman Street or something like that. I don't know. It's, unless I choose to tell it, I guess, or something like that. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, you know, it's, it is unmistakable, you know. Appreciate some of the things you were saying, Hannah, this morning. Like, it just is unmistakable that God's up to something, but it is a battle. You know, and really what I felt like God was saying was, you know, around this morning, in some ways, you know, last week we talked about this idea of, um, I, I said I felt like God's purpose in this season, because sometimes we can just get focused on the anti-purpose, because something's always coming against the purposes of God, and that'll never not be the case until the end of time. You know, and, and I'm not even sure then, because, you know, I don't know if it's a news flash to you or not, but like, you know, Satan, the big bad guy, used to be the big good guy, 
right? In heaven, he was an angel, right? And then he chose not to be. And so I'm not sure where your theology sits on all this, but, you know, we have this idea that everything's going to get easy in heaven and you're no longer going to have a choice. That doesn't really sound like God to me. Right? He doesn't go, no, you signed the contract, I let you into heaven, you're now forced to whatever. Maybe it's just that actually a love for God takes root in our heart and hopefully that's the greatest and biggest power, you know. But anyways, maybe, well, I guess what I'm saying is maybe even that which comes against the purposes of God never ends, you know, because it started in the heavenly realms. And so why wouldn't we consider maybe it continues even in our heavenly reality? But anyways, never, never mind all that. We don't need to get into that. But, but there, is a, there is a battle, right? There is a battle that's at play that's coming against the purposes of God. Anyway, last week we were talking about this idea of, cons- you know, God said to me, my purpose, because we can get focused on the anti-purpose, I'm coming back around to it, um, you know, he said to me, my purpose in this season is unity. Unity. You know, and sometimes we've got to understand the purposes of God to understand the opposition that we face because what's the enemy trying to achieve? Well, he just wants to thwart the good things of God. Well, what's the good thing of God? Let's be specific because then we can understand where he's winning. Because if I'm carrying bitterness towards Curtis, I might not even realize that that's just a, a complete defeat of the purpose of God for unity. But when I understand that God wants unity, I can come to see that bitterness doesn't belong. But the battle plays out by trying to convince me that bitterness is no big deal. In fact, it's justified. In fact, it's Curtis's problem, right? That's how the battle plays out. I'm not responsible. Curtis is a dipstick. He's responsible. It's his problem. He's got to change something. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm tolerating bitterness that's breaking unity, and I've bought the lie that it's Curtis's issue to resolve. I didn't even realize that the battle won. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Like, kind of, we don't necessarily grind this out into the detail and go, what is the purpose of God? And therefore, then, in the purposes of God, what's robbing his purposes? Because, you know, it would be a miracle if we could just get the purposes of God on the table and live for them, wouldn't it? Like, wouldn't that just be a really good start? What are we living for? Uh, Yeah, there's some purposes of God mixed in there, but man, that is a milkshake of wide range of flavors, what we're living for. Do you know what I'm saying? And that leaves us so exposed to the battle. Right, Jesus, you're my one thing amongst the 400 other things. Sometimes you're not even a thing. You know, we need to rewrite some of these songs, hey? Be a little more honest, you know, like, oh, God, I mean, you're something to someone somewhere, and hopefully that makes my life better. That's not what this is about, right? Jesus, you can have my life, that it would serve your purpose. I got no idea what your purpose is, but let it serve it. No, no, we got we to gotta get his purpose in mind. Otherwise, we're just we're 100% going to be defeated because we won't realize the cost. Okay, and this is how the battle play. I feel like I'm... I moved on, but but it, it's it's really what we're here to talk about, you know. Is you know, we think about it. Think about think about it. Garden of Eden, the first battle that played out. What happened? What happened? Tempted. What do you What do you say? What did, What did the enemy say? Yeah. 
yeah, God doesn't want you to be as good as he is. And he's keeping the good thing from you. And yeah, okay. Okay, so he came, you know. Oh, and this isn't going to cost you something. This is going to gain you something. Just, yeah, this is, this is no big deal. Just have it. Okay, that, that's how the battle plays, right? This, this is how the battle plays. No, no big deal. Oh, it doesn't really cost, does it? You know, like, oh, like willful sin. Like, but we got the grace of God, right? So, so like willful sin, like, that's not really a big deal, is it? It's not a, is it a big deal? Why is it a big deal? Well, what does that cost you? You got any idea? Just as an example, you know, or bitterness. Holding bitterness in my heart towards curse, that's not a big deal, is it? It's just because he's, oh, he's so annoying. So what's a big deal? Or anger in my heart towards my wife. Ah, if she was just completely different than what she is. That's not a big deal, is it? It's not a big deal, is it? I think we've got to like recalibrate and and get a truth from the word of God that dictates our lives and says, this is how we live. Let's stop being flippant about it. Let's stop going, it doesn't really matter, does it? Because I'm just on my way. I'm just on my way. You know what? I think I heard this message recently. I'm all over the show already, so we're just going to bring this into land really fast today. I I heard this message this week, and um, I, I think it was Benny Hinn. Benny Hinn. And he said, um, he said uh, the love of God is as perfect as the wrath of God. The love of God is as perfect as as the wrath of God. And it was like, whoa, dude. We don't talk, we don't talk about the wrath of God. You know, I started thinking about it this week, and I was like, you know what? We used to preach about the wrath of God. We used to, like, motivate people into the kingdom of God based on fear, right? Turn or burn. Like, that was just, like, totally acceptable theology, right? Like, you will go to hell if you don't give your life to Jesus today. You will burn. What if you get in a car accident on your way home from church today? Like, this was reasonable. No, this, you're laughing, Ben, but like, it wasn't that long ago that this was like, the wrath of God was like, real. It was like, you will be cast down to hell. You will be, the heart of God will turn from you. Okay, and so then we went, well, jeepers, like, whoa, just maybe there's more to our theology than just that. So let's like put that to the side and let's start preaching the love of God. Love, 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 love. God loves you. He's, he's got grace for you. But then all of a sudden it became inappropriate to talk about the wrath of God or to talk about the consequence of sin. Or to, and, and in fact, like now the emerging ideas are like, well, maybe there just is no hell. Maybe there just is no black and white. Actually, maybe just live however you want and that'll be okay. Like this is, these are beliefs that we've come to. But maybe like, as a season of believers, we've had an opportunity to come to know the love of God so that then we could re-enter and go, yeah, but there's also a part of him that goes, I hate these things. I hate these things. Can you, can you think of something God would hate? What would he hate? What's something God hates? Sin. Sin. Well, what, well, that's, but yes. That's big. That's a big bucket. He does. He hates sin. Does he hate sin? I think he hates sin. Well, now we're dividing hairs. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but what? What would he hate? I mean, sorry. Sure. 
the cursing of things that are created. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Hate, division, mean things, bullying. Sure. Yeah, I feel like the picture that that Jesus took me to was um, like the heart of a father. Like if someone did something to Ella, you know, if someone hurt her, if someone like spoke bad about her or, you know, if one of you, like if I caught one of you like in a moment of anger, like smacking her across the face, you know, like what I would doubt, there would be anger in my heart. There would be, there would be wrath within me because of my love for Ella. And it's like, wow, okay, God, that's, this is a, there's a love that you have that goes, I do not tolerate these things. And then, and then who's deciding what he tolerates or what he doesn't tolerate? Well, we've gotten pretty blurry on this. You know what I mean? Like we've created a lot of room within this and we've created some theology that goes, well, you just live however you want. Well, the battle's winning, right? Because isn't that what the enemy came to say to Eve? It doesn't really matter, does it? Just do it. I think, I think we're in a place where the battle's been winning for a long time and it's time for the people of God to rise up. You know, I spoke a message a bit, a, a bit ago about passionately pursue righteousness, you know, and that's kind of like the positive side of this that goes, you know, I think if we want to be people who stand up against the battle, we've got to start to take what God said seriously and not try to just live it out by being good because that's not how it happens. But by living it out, by pressing into the presence of God and letting the, letting the word of God dictate the parameters, the boundaries for us. You know what I mean? When he says, don't let the sun go down on your anger, it's like, wow, that's really challenging me. Jesus, I need you to come and minister to something to this place of anger that I'm living in perpetually. Okay, well, that's just showing up the gap. And we don't justify it. We don't go, well, we're just broken people. We don't go, well, we're just on our way. No, we don't justify it. We go, I am one who's being made perfect by the power and presence of Jesus Christ. I'm tolerating no longer that which sits outside of the word of God for the people of God in the life of God. I'm not setting a boundary for my life that is not his. I'm not living a lifestyle that displeases him. I'm not going to accept sin in my life. I'm not going to accept the things of him that don't belong. I'm going after these things because I'm going after Jesus. I don't know if it's making sense. I think we like to talk about the spiritual battle like it's something ethereal that needs to be fought and won by somebody, but we're not accepting the choices that we're making are either partnering with the battle or partnering with the stand against the battle. Do, do you know what I mean? What are your thoughts on what the battle looks like in your day-to-day -day life? Let's hear some of those things. What? does the battle look like? How does the spiritual... Ephesians 6, 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Read, Brad, your struggle is not against Leela. Contending only with physical opponents, but against rulers, against the powers, against the forces of this present darkness, and against spiritual forces, forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural places. It's a big verse. How does that land in our lives? How does that play out? Where are we experiencing the battle? In what ways, practically, tangibly? In the car. Okay. Just, just feeling. Yeah, that's a good one.
Yeah. Comparing. Comparing your life to someone else's and feeling like the grass is greener on the other side and someone has the better gig than me. Right. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, feeling like your life would be better if it was someone else's. Mm, nothing can push you off the power of your own story like that, is it? Yeah. Hmm. Negative thought patterns, yeah. Yeah. It's hard, it's too much, I don't know what I need. Yeah. Yeah. Victim thought patterns. Yeah. In what way? Like, how would that play out? Things happening to you. Yeah, the power lives out there. Yeah. 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 Mm. Yeah. Mm. Discouragement. Yeah. 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 Discouragement. Yeah. Frustration. Yeah. 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 Entitlement. Right, that you owed something. Yeah. Like, you head into like, 
head into a dark space of like an argument or like a, I'm right and you're wrong kind of thing and you feel this fearless impulse. Yeah. But I've told Caroline she's right, right. and uh, we'll back her up whenever necessary. You know, this is. Yeah, well, and that's it. Like, you can find, like, we can all, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's, I don't know if it's just a marriage thing. It's, it's probably, I got married pretty young, so I, I don't know, maybe it, it's, you know, but it's like you, you can get locked into something where you've picked something up and it's escalating and it just feels gratifying to escalate it and to continue to make the point and to continue to argue the end. And it's like, actually, this is only destructive. This is, this is just, okay, that's the battle. Like, here we are. What's at play here? I mean, okay, we could talk about the relational, emotional. But it's like, how much does, how much does the battle like to antagonize a place where we are going to defeat and destroy one another? Now, if I stop and I think about Ella engaged in some kind of conversation like that, would that please the heart of a father to see his daughter engaged in that? Oh, no. That's heartbreaking. That's that's there's hatred of what's going on there. I hate that. I hate that. You know, and it's like I've got some things that are speaking to my life in this category that go, no son, don't you treat my daughter that way. You know, it's like, whoa, okay, what you know, but anyway, we'll get to some I'm not having to go at you. That's you're good. No, you're good. Sure. Sure, of course it is. Of course it is. Well, if unity is God's purpose, then the battle is all going to play out relationally. It doesn't feel like it. It feels like it's it's a whole host of other things that this is that this is attacking. But anyways, let's come to a couple of of quick points on this. You know, I think I think I've alluded to it already, but number 1, I think we need to if if p- take the Garden of Eden story, Satan coming to to Eve and going, "Hey, eat the apple. It doesn't matter. Well, God gave her what she needed, right? Do not ever eat from this tree, right? She had truth. She had instruction. She lost trust in God and she gave it to someone else. She disobeyed and the consequences were enormous, right? That's the battle. What what we need to do is we need to reestablish a foundation of truth in our life that's built on the word of God. If you asked it, I believe it's attainable. If you said it could be, I believe it will be. If it's the life you asked me to live, I'm not going to water it down because the world says you don't have to. I'm not going to water it down because a grace message that I heard at church said it doesn't matter. I'm going to take your word. I'm going to feast upon it. I'm going to apply it to my life, and I'm going to let it be the foundational truth. If God said, don't eat from the tree, I will not eat from the tree. Do, Do you know what I'm saying? If God said, do not slander your brother, I will not slander my brother. If God said, do not allow jealousy to take root, I will not allow jealousy to take root. It's like we need the word of God to reestablish the foundation for his people of what pleases God and what elicits his wrath, what, what he hates. Because there are some things that we've accepted into our lives and into reality that are things that God hates. There's things that we've accepted as followers of Christ that we go, it's okay, it's all covered by the, and it is, it is, it's, it, but he hates it. I hate that. You, do, do you know what I'm saying? We've got to give ourselves permission to let God set the standard again. 
and go, I'm not going to show up to church and feel good about my life because I took 15 minutes with him yesterday morning and had a coffee with Jesus. Yes, that's beautiful, but it's not enough. The word of God is life. It's a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. It's going to show me the way. It's going to teach me the, the principles. We've got to restore to the people of God, the standard of God, so that, so that we are not those who have partnered with the battle and ate the apple and don't understand the consequence. Do, do, do you know what I mean? I, I don't know if it's overcomplicating it. And I don't want to get too religious or legalistic. That's not where this is coming from. This is flowing from a passion for Jesus Christ that my life would be his. And I'm being revealed in the process of that passionate pursuit to go, Brad, there's some things in my word that you're ignoring. Would you refresh your perspective on what pleases me? And would you allow what I said to still stand and go, please don't do that. Don't justify that. So we need the standard. Number two, second thing that I think we need to do to be people who stand up in this battle. Number one, restore a foundation of truth that goes, what God said life should look like is what I'm going to stand for. What he said he loves, I'll love. What he said he hates, I'll refuse to allow into my life to the best of my ability. And where it's there, I'll repent, I'll renounce, I'll move, and I'll turn away. Right? When you find something in your life that God's hate, repent, renounce, move away. Jesus, I'm so sorry that I did that. I renounce the agreements I've made, the power I've given to that. I step back from that. I don't give that power in my life anymore. Jesus, come, be your power in this place. I give myself again to your truth in this place, in this space, in this way. You know, repent, renounce, move away. It's like, we got, we get, we got some of that work to do. But, but number two, the battle comes, you know, this, it's come out sort of in our conversation around victim, around uh, uh, feeling like the problem is with someone else, you know, evidence of a victim mentality is the absence of taking personal responsibility for my reality. A victim is not responsible for where I am and what I'm experiencing. Someone else is or something else is. A victim disposition will blame the circumstance or blame the person and will we'll see the wrong that someone else is doing and refuse to take responsibility for the place that I find myself. The enemy loves to help you be in a victim position in the absence of responsibility. There's a verse in Galatians chapter 6, verse 4 and 5 that says, but each one must carefully scrutinize his own work, examining his actions, attitudes, and behavior, and then he can have the personal satisfaction and inner joy of doing something commendable without comparing himself to another. For every person will have to bear with patience his own burden of faults and shortcomings, which he alone is responsible. Like, it's like, don't worry about everybody else. Stop worrying about what Leela's not doing. Take responsibility. Am I bringing God into my home? Am I being light and life in this place? Am I an inspiration? Am I a loving husband? Am I where? Forget about, you know, I, the enemy loves to get me focused on what Leela's doing wrong. Oh, my life would be better if Leela would take more God time in the mornings. Oh, our family would be more spiritual if we would 
do this or do that, or if this wouldn't be happening, or if I wasn't being spoken to this way, or if this wasn't occurring, blame, circumstantial blame. It's on these other things. Those other things are the powerful things. It's like, no, take responsibility for myself. Fight the battle that says the problem is somewhere else. Take responsibility for what's here and live in peace with myself without comparing myself to, oh, I'm so much better than Leela because look at how righteous I am and how in the presence of God I am. And the battle that I'm facing is because she's not holding up her end of the bargain and I'm stuck in this mess. It's like, no, take responsibility, address the place I find myself, live in peace with myself, don't compare myself to others and stop worrying about what others are or are not doing. Stop comparing ourselves to someone else's story and you will shut the battle out. Take responsibility for your own self and make a change here. Focus on how your life is aligning to the word of God, to the power and presence of Jesus in your life, and do everything within your power and capacity to be a spirit-filled follower. And don't worry about the rest. Because I'll tell you what, the thing my home needs most is not a critical dad or husband telling everybody what they are or not. It needs a passionate follower of Jesus Christ bringing light and life and love and grace into the situation and ministering that. And when I do that, God will help Leela. It's his job. She's got the Holy Spirit. Am I channeling the Spirit or have I been taken out by the battle and I'm just ministering blame, accusation, and circumstantial? You know, do, do you know what I'm saying? I don't know if I'm tracking, but it's like if we want to shut the battle out, we got to take responsibility for ourselves and hold ourselves to the standard of God, the standard that God has set. Third thing, I don't think any of this is achievable if we don't take on board Hebrews chapter 11, 6. But without faith, it is impossible to walk with God and please him. For whoever who comes near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that he rewards those who earnestly and diligently seek him. There's a reward. This is a God who is going to abundantly reward your life for your, your living with him. The reward comes both in this lifetime and in the life to come. And you know what? If this is just about religious adherence to a God that we fear, you'll never attain it. But if we discover and come close to a God by faith, who we believe rewards, who we know loves, who we know is good, passion will rise within us and we'll go, there is no life I want to live that is apart from the standard that God has laid out because I've discovered who he is. And he has the reward. Like a desire-based pursuit of God is the only thing that will achieve this. We can't just go, I'm going to try and be better, live better, do better. If we want to keep the battle, shut outside the door. Three things. Restore the standard to which God set that's laid out in his word for his people. Take what he says seriously. Stop reading it in our Bible and watering it down and giving ourselves excuses and justifying why it isn't what it is. When you read something and it's not in alignment with your life, address it in the spirit of God. Ask for his help. Repent renounce, make a change. Number two, take responsibility for yourself and do not point this truth at someone else. I read the word of God and you're not supposed to be doing that. Forget about it. Take responsibility for yourself and stop comparing yourself to someone else. And you will then stop living in victim and blame and, and situational power that says, oh, if only I was somewhere else, my life would be fulfilled. No, I'm taking responsibility for where I find myself. I'm addressing my reality. I'm not worrying about the person who's sitting beside me. I'm going to live in the life of Christ. Third, believe that God will earnestly reward those who seek him. Let a desire rise within you that goes, what wouldn't I do for this God? That's what I hear your confession this morning. 
Look what he's done. Look who I've discovered. The standard isn't too hard. The ask isn't too high. This is the life to me. And when we believe that the God who we have found is a rewarder of those who seek him, we'll be motivated by desire to go, take this life. I will adhere to your standard. I will walk with you. I'm not listening to Satan anymore who says, oh, your life would be better if you could just drink more. Or, oh, if you had better friends. Or, oh, if you were somewhere else. Or, oh, oh Christian life so lame. It's so... Ab- so suffrage and so sacrificing. He's like, no, I've sacrificed this life that I would receive the reward from the one who rewards better than anyone I've ever met. He gives the best presents. He gives the best gifts. And the life that I find in him is the reward that I seek. All right, enough. I think we got to stop talking about the battle like it's something we can't do something about practically. Yes, it's spiritual. Yes, it's ethereal. But it plays out in my practical agreements, in the things which I permit, in the things which I agree with, and the enemy is constantly convincing us that what you doesn't ma- what you are doing doesn't matter, what someone else is doing matters more, or what God asked you to do isn't really what he meant, or that he's not going to come through with the goods. That's covered off in those three pieces. I'm not saying this is a complete teaching on spiritual battle, but I'm saying I think if we would take these three things and apply them to our life, it would make a difference this week. This week. All right, let's chat about it. Let's chat about it. Jump into two groups and just go, well, is it real? What can we do about it? Do any of those three things ring true as something that might help us? And uh, yeah, how can we do something with it? Amen. Help us, Jesus. Outside of your presence, we will not attain it. That's the truth. So, all right. Number one, this is the talking that I needed today. And so I just talked it out here to make sure I heard it. This is the, this is the talking to that I've needed. And yeah, secondly, I think. Um, we just got to be really clear on the third point that this is a life that's found out of desire for God growing in us and a belief that what he has for his people is life that he rewards those who come for him we cannot write that off or this becomes some kind of life management it's like we are those who will not be taken out by the battle that is waging against us we will be aware we will be informed we will be responsible and will be passionate pursuers of Jesus. That's the life that's flowing from him. Pursue me, know me, know my ways, know what I have. Take responsibility for your life. Be empowered and the Spirit of God breathes life into us and we find a life within us, a life where we go, you would take seeds of truth and let them grow into harvests of righteousness in our hearts and our lives. We're those who want you, Jesus. We don't want to just act better or do better or behave better or meet the standard or follow the rule. We want our lives to be sacrifices of incense of worship offered to you that you would know we love you because you loved us. 
that you would know that there are people who have been so profoundly impacted by your presence that whatever you ask would not be too much it'd be our very heart's desire that if you would say would people set themselves apart would they act differently would they adhere to a standard that i desire for you that we would so willingly say doesn't matter how confronting that is we'll take responsibility for what's unfinished we'll take responsibility for where we fall short and we'll believe that the spirit of god will come and produce a harvest of righteous living within us find us willing and by your spirit would you come and impart righteousness to us that our lives would be yours battle ready us that we would stand strong not be taken out by the taunts not be taken out by the lies that we would be those who are found holding the line jesus we want to be those people come strengthen us by the spirit we ask 